Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota of Brookhaven has been voted best new car dealership in Southwest Mississippi four years in a row. Come see the difference. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver. From the trees over your head to the lawn you hate to mow and everything green in between. Garden Mama's here to help you keep on growing. Still the empress of everything green. Here's your horticulture maven, Garden Mama Nellie Neal on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It took a lot of effort. But I got this the rain out of central Mississippi before I had to leave this morning. <laughs> I was up at 11 last night looking at the radar going, go, go, go. Yes, my street was flooded yet again. That's normal now where we're getting to where we're used to that. But I got here and my feet aren't wet. Good morning, Lance. <laughs> Good this morning. has been quite a swim today. I had to go through three different big, big, not flash flood stuff, but puddle stuff. I feel confident that the southwestern part of our state is... Yeah, Ridge sent me a picture yesterday. Very wet. And it, was a, it looked like a bayou. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, you would think it was overflowing. No, it was a road. No, that's just the road. Yeah, so I said, man, you're going to need a P-Rogue for that. Well, we had and, a little uh, bit of that over here on Atkins as well mm-hmm. as another place on state when I was coming through because... Well, we're 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 knocking on the drought. I mean, at least you know, if you want to look for positive signs, exactly. And and this is a very positive sign. We need to put this rain in the bank because we don't know when we'll not when we'll need it. And I, I have to say, it's been quite a week. Well, it was fairly misty too for a couple of days, and it, it and unlike fog, it was more like rain. Yeah, it just missed. It, and it, it, it's it, the it, depressing part of that, and and I'm one who likes rain and gray skies. Oh, I enjoyed it. It's so, nice. It's refreshing. But it is different. <laughs> but yeah, it was after not, about the tenth hour. Yeah. It's not so refreshing. But your plants loved it. I promise. That's what we're here to talk about on the Garden Mama Show. The plants that are doing well, the ones that we're going to have to do something about. And of course, I've been to the big horticulture show. This week over in Mobile for the Southeast, and I can guarantee you that there are going to be plenty of shrubs and plenty of trees if you are concerned about having to replace some of the things, either because they were drowned last spring or they were heated this summer or they were droughted all fall, and in some cases all three of those things. My biggest piece of advice to you is to get out and look at them. Do the bark scratch if you want to, if you think something's dead, and in fact, if it's not, then you got to look at it. Do I want this plant? Do I want this plant right here? Do I want to wait for it to grow back to its previous beauty in my front yard where I have to look at it every day? Or do I want to dig it up and put it in the backyard or maybe even containerize it so that it can recover for a time? I'll go get something new. I think we're going to be doing a lot of that decision-making this year. And here is the part that's really hard. There's some really good choices out there. You're going to see some plants in the garden centers that you really do want to add to your collection. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about whatever else is on your garden mind today. I have been uh, tickled this week to see one, one really, really good thing that the rain has done for me. 
and that, of course, is to get the daffodils to sprout. <laughs> They're all up all over the place at my house, probably yours, too. I'm in the center of Zone 8, depending on where you're listening to me. You may be 7, 9. You might be somewhere entirely different. We still love talking about your plants. But the main focus is the southeastern part of the United States, 7, 8, and 9 in terms of the growing zones. And, yes, those are the new growing zones. They've all moved a little bit north as the record temperatures, the first frost predicted date, the last frost predicted date, those kind of things have shifted, then therefore that's why the growing zones shift a little bit. We'll start this morning in Laurel. Good morning, Jim. What's going on? Oh, which is it's the first time I've had a chance to listen to you, Garden Mama, in about a month. I've been I've been occupied. Well, but, uh, welcome glad in. To talk to you again. Glad you're doing good. But I told Lance that I planted my garlic back in August, and it's it hadn't been too long, started coming up. Is that normal? When there's a drought for 12 weeks in the fall, yeah. <laughs> I have some, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think I planted any garlic this year, I don't know. But I've got some onions that are really just now getting going, and a few other things too, because we just had such long, dry weather and hot weather. So I don't have any problem you know, with them coming up now. I didn't about that. It was, it's been quite a year now. That garlic was just waiting for some good conditions, I think. Well, I told Lance a while ago, he said, Are you getting any rain down there? I said, no, our catfish have got ticks on their back. Well, we need some rain, man. <laughs> well, I'm surprised you're not getting it today because the, the, the radar <laughs> indicates that you might be swimming. Well, I was going to say, I don't want anybody to take you too literally this morning. You know, <laughs> uh, Jim, tell me, your insurance company called you and uh, was trying to sell him some more in, uh, flood insurance. And he said he lives on a hill. He goes, man, I don't need any of that. If, if I need it, then y'all ain't going to be around. That's right. Nobody will be here at that point. <laughs> but here it. is the thing. It is causing a lot of people to reconsider. And the people that I have heard from this week that were really concerned, their gardens are flooding because since last winter, somebody has done something in the property behind them. Either they've moved stuff or they've built a fence or whatever's happened. And the next thing you know, your yard is flooded. So we've got to worry about all that stuff. But I think your garlic's going to be fine. <laughs> well, I still got some hanging up from last year. Garden Mama, enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. Hey, Appreciate it. by the way, did you, ever, did you ever get those emails I sent you? Not yet. On those trees? Not yet. Try one more time. Well, I've sent them to, I've sent them to Garden Mama. Jim, uh, you're never going to get it sending it to Garden Mama anything. You need to send it to well, Mama. Listen, listen to I me. Listen to me. Mama on air. M-A-M-A. O-N-A-I-R, like Mama on Air. Because here's Mama, and she's on the air. Okay, Here's Mama on Air at Yahoo.com. Thank you much. I look forward to seeing them. Tell your daughter the right address, and I know she'll get it to me. I have no doubt about that. Uh, Today, guess what, folks? You might think today is the day that we begin figuring out, oh, I don't know who's going to the Super Bowl, Detroit Lions. Uh, or, I was oh, going to ask you, but I didn't want to <laughs> derail your, well, your train of thought well, today. Well, you know, I, I have very soft spots in my heart for, for San Francisco. But on that particular playoff, I just got to hope, you know, 1975, you know, come on, Detroit needs a break. And then they're good enough to get it. It just depends on how things go, of course. But in addition to all of that, folks, today is National Chocolate Cake Day. Uh-oh, you thought it was going to be King Cake Day, didn't you? No, it's not. It's National Chocolate Cake Day. I did not know this. Why do we not all have cocoa forests? So, you know, why haven't we figured this out yet? 
Obviously, we can't grow it here. That's why. We're right now at a 46-year high. In your lifetime, Lance, we're at a high price for cocoa. I think crawfish, too. Whoa, crawfish, yes. That's your neck of the woods down there. That, 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 the sign year. that said, ask us about crawfish next week <laughs> that I saw this week was a little disturbing. It's coming on February. There should be, you know, but, but they're running $16, yeah, $18 a pound. Yeah, they're, they're getting on up there. And we, we were talking yesterday about the, the if you're going to have that party, you better get your friends to start chipping in the money now, because mm-hmm. by the time we get to late March and people want to have the boils, it's going to be some expensive eating, I think, because conditions were just not great. And this is the second year that conditions were just not great. In, in the cocoa world, it's growing conditions, but it's also been apparently affected by the greater demand, because we all want more chocolate. And, yeah, there's a certain amount of greed. People do buy stuff up and hoard it like cocoa that they can keep because they know the price will go up later. That's not good. But for those of us who appreciate cooking with cocoa, it has gone up a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it hasn't. The good news is it's still great. Cocoa Cooking with cocoa as opposed to cooking with block chocolate or something to me is a much better experience. You can argue with me. 888-808-8637. That is the Super Talk call line and always open to you on Saturdays when I'm here. 601-879-4395. That is our text line. And apparently I have to refresh the text line like over and over yeah, now. Yeah, it's been... it's been Because um, I can't see anything. Yeah, you're going to have to hit the refresh on it. It's been hanging <sighs> up and not wanting to cooperate. Well, I, I, I don't know where that is. So I'll find it at the break and we'll get started again. I knew where it was yesterday and Today I don't. Guess what? Welcome to my life. <laughs> it's like my hairbrush. There's a hairbrush in my house that belongs to me. What did I do with it? I don't know. I do not know. I do know this. I have been, if, if you've never been to a cave with stalactites and stalagmites, put it on your bucket list. It may sound really simple, but you will be transformed by the visions. For example, Carlsbad Caverns is where I've been, but there's a lot of other choices. And you always wondered, how come there are all these different colors? These structures are there, and they're, I mean, it's magnificent. And it's a really brilliant piece of nature that you can only see in these particular locations where a cave produces that level of water over time to be able to produce these things. They're magnificent. But now we understand that when we put together kind of the inside and the outside, we've got the look from the inside at the stalagmites, but we've also got tree rings outside on the same area. Putting those together, we can understand a whole lot more about the way the climate has fluctuated. Everybody's always wanting to talk about, is it this or is it that? Well, the answer is yes, there's both. There's always been fluctuations in the climate. We can document those through tree rings, through, in this case now, finally, stalagmites. We figured out how to do that. That doesn't mean that Human beings don't have other impacts on it. Of course we do, because there's a whole lot of us, and we do a lot of stuff. But when it comes down to figuring out how this is going, they analyze the isotopes, the, 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 the way that the oxygen is organized in the stalagmite. When it, this, they did this in, uh, in southern Germany, but I'm sure that there's people doing this at Carlsbad, too, because it's that kind of thing. It's a tiny world of research. In conjunction with all of this, they were able to reconstruct shorter-term climate fluctuations than what we have seen. You know, we've previously understood that things moved from one time to the next, but we've also got this going now. So that's very cool. In contrast to tree rings, of course, 
Stalagmites have only been used in exceptional cases to try and measure the data inside the cave itself, but by using it with the tree rings, they get a better bit of information. The decisive factor is, of course, the particular rainwater that gets into the cave where the dissolved lime forms these magnificent structures. So it's just interesting, something else to consider, something to think about. We're starting this week putting in um, some pictures. that I took way too many pictures for somebody that was only there one day, but there were so many good things to look at. And when you join us at supertalk.tv, over the next several weeks, I'm going to be showing you some of the pictures of plants that were there some of which are available to us and some of which we hope will be. We're going to talk about them a whole lot going forward. But I'm telling you, right at this moment, at this very, very moment, is tractor seat on the uh, the screen. That's This is this particular one coming up next is the Ziva Paperwhite, which is one of my favorites. They had them forced in several different stages so you could see what you might buy. And that, my friends, for all of you who have never seen it, is a variegated cast iron plant. Yes, the aspidistra that is the green leaves that look like, <clears throat> excuse me, look like swords underneath every oak tree in the south, just about. This, that particular one is a beautiful adaptation of it that is variegated and has dots as opposed to, the, there have always been some with um, a whole lot of stripes around the edges, you know, edges that were white or, or gray or something. But in this case, this is a much prettier plant. So I'm looking forward to that. As well. Guess what else I saw? For those of you who've been with me on the search for Edgeworthia, there's more of them in the market. So I don't know that we'll see them next door, but there will be more of them in the southeast for people to be able to find. That's the, the paper bush that blooms upside down with the really pretty flowers that hang, or white, they're white clusters. Really nice plant. Really, really nice plant. And that's going on at supertalk.tv. For those of you who are kind enough to tune in today, I've got some information. I, I don't even know whether this is smart or not, but I'm going to talk about the different ways to prune ornamental grasses because, let's face it, most of us have not done that yet this month, and it is, it is time, but we have several choices in how to do that. So I'll be happy to put that on to the, the, the part of the program a little bit later on when I go on about stuff. I was really interested, I really, I do kind of sometimes like to knock down the, uh, what would you call that? Those things, you know, anytime somebody or some entity puffs themselves up and says, I'm better at this than you, don't you kind of want to go poke them and see whether or not they're actually a marshmallow? You know that's true. The European Union, the EU, has for years looked straight down their nose at us here in the United States, in fact, in the Western Hemisphere, and said, well, we're recycling 99% or whatever it is of this and 89% of that, and it's all being reused and recycled, and people are, they, 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 we have the bins and the people use them and they're picked up, and we, we just, that's what we do here because we don't want to have an excess of plastic. We also don't want to pay for things that can be reused in another way or repurposed in another way. We are so good at this, and you people over there in the States are just terrible. Well, I don't know, we're not that great, okay? I'll grant you. But the little secret that nobody wants you to know is that despite the really strict regulations in the EU about plastic recycling, that's about as far as it goes. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the stories when people in New York City found out that their trash was being hauled off onto what were called garbage scows? I don't know what they thought those were because a scow is a trash boat. I mean, that's what that's for. 
but they somehow realized what was going on. Everybody got so upset. They should. It's your trash. You have to deal with your trash. Well, they were not dealing with it so well. In the case of the EU, though, they've been shipping their recycles to Vietnam, where it is determined that the vast majority of it is not, in fact, recyclable. And it is now being dumped in Vietnam instead of being dumped in the EU somewhere or being repurposed, reused, or fulfilling what they tip. Well, they wanted people to recycle. They didn't say, what about the dumping? They didn't say how we're going to follow this down the chain all the way through until it comes out as another product. And in fact, when when these particular researchers at Utrecht University followed the cycle, they discovered... Turns out that the Vietnam is a big part of it, but it's not the only country where they send everything. They realized that there were people cooking and eating and actually living in the recycling facilities, for one thing, which is toxic to do. So that's not good. But then a whole lot of the rest of it is just not recyclable. So it's out there somewhere in the woods, somewhere out being dumped, just like it would be dumped anyplace else. That's not right. And I'm here to complain about it. So that's my complaint for today. Why not, right? I mean, come on. That's right. You can't just do that part and then dump it someplace else. I don't like that. That to me, that's very much the same thing as somebody. What's what we did to our dust bowl? I mean, we we farmed it until it farmed out, and then we moved further west instead of taking care of it. Hmm. We do that to a lot of things, don't we? <laughs> yes, I have on the Garden Mama shirt today. You can see that too. Surprise, y'all. They're still available. Get in touch. Mama on air at yahoo.com. Don't worry. We'll be right back. Don't you worry about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing, Mama. Superior. It's more than a name. It's a promise that we make to our customers to provide you the highest quality U.S. farm-raised catfish at your favorite restaurant, your family reunion, or on your dinner table. Hey, this is Steve Azar, and I want to let you know that with Superior Catfish, you know the next bite is as good as the first. Time after time. Made possible by your friends and neighbors here in Mississippi. Remember, there's catfish, then there is superior catfish. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. 
systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Ream Home AC Systems. <laughs> Are you feeling it? <sighs> Ream, the new degree of comfort. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. Homestyle plates full of catfish, shrimp, and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. Jackson Hewitt has a plan to get your tax refund fast. With a buck, buck here, a buck, buck there. Here, buck, there, buck, everywhere, buck, buck. You don't have to wait weeks for your tax refund. Get money sooner with a no-fee refund advance loan at Jackson Hewitt. On this loan, there's a money today guarantee. E-I-E-I-D-O. Don't settle for chicken feed. Get fast bucks at Jackson Hewitt today. No-fee refund advance loans by Republic Bank offered to eligible clients. Money today guarantee if approved for a loan on a prepaid card. Details at jacksonhewitt.com. Hi, this is Shelby with Two Men in a Truck. At Two Men in a Truck, we've added a new service option to our brand, Junk Removal. Whether you're deep cleaning, renovating, or staging your home to sell, our two men in a truck junk removal option is perfect to get the job done. Our professionally trained moving and junk removal teams will load and haul away your unwanted junk for you. Visit twomenandatruck.com to learn more and get a free junk removal quote. That's twomenandatruck.com. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Go to windowappointmentnow.com for full offer details. Attention all homeowners. Do you know when to replace your windows? Feeling too hot or cold? Fog between the glass. Spending too much and expensive energy that literally goes out the window? It's definitely time to replace. If you've put off replacing windows in your home because it's too expensive, here's great news. You can now get a free in-home window consultation and free price quote from Renewal by Anderson. And right now, you can save $375 off every window and $775 off every door when you buy four or more units. Just text FOG to 200-300 for your free consultation on top quality affordable windows or patio doors for $0 down, zero monthly payments, and zero interest for a year. That's right. You don't pay a dime for an entire year. Text FOG to 200-300 right now to save $375 off every window and $775 off every door when you buy four or more units. But hurry, these big dollar savings won't last long. Text FOG to 200-300. Don't wait. Text the word FOG to 200-300. Text FOG to 200-300. Welcome in. Lyman has his garlic is about looks about six inches or maybe a little taller. He says winters when it comes up, and I do approve of that. Mine usually comes up about, about Thanksgiving, but my microclimate is a little bit warmer. As I said, I don't think I planted any, and I'm not missing it, so I believe that I did not plant this year. I like that that there's still plenty at Jim's uh, from leftover from last year, and so he may decide to plant some more. Who knows? Most of the time we plant the garlic and just ignore it until springtime because that's when it's going to be ready to pull. Makes a lot of sense to me. Don't forget now, this is also the time, in addition to ornamental grasses, you, you should and can be pruning wisteria, muscadine grapes, stone fruits, that's apples and plums and pears, like that, that group apricot, nectarine, so forth and so on, and our friends, the ornamental grasses. So we'll get to all of that. Today is also Seed Swap Day, and I'm going to say that several times today, I think, because I do hope that if, you are, if, you're, if you're exchanging seeds with one another, um, by all means, let me know. I was happy to get a, a, 
an envelope not that long ago with uh, swamp milkweed in it. That's the second set of that that I've gotten, and I look forward to doing that. I'm, I'm trying to focus on the natives this year, the native milkweeds, and I'm, I'm, I thank Trey for that. Um, I don't think mm, I have to have to find out. We may have a piece of music you need to hear today, Trey. I don't know for sure. Now, what do you know about sea otters? I don't know that much about them myself, but uh, my goodness, I thought this was so interesting. You know, the Monterey Bay Aquarium does so much great work in the on the West Coast in in terms of sea life. They they're really one of the few places that can do studies as long as they do them because they just between them and Woods Hole and some other really renowned marine exploratory and research places they keep us up to date on the changes as well as try and help us understand what has happened in the past to these important parts of our environment. They've been studying the, the regional kelp colonies. Now you know that that. That kelp is a big deal. If you if you haven't if if your world hasn't grabbed to you yet, check it out. All you have to do is think about it. You're going to have somebody talking to you about kelp. And in this case, they have been studying the hundred years where there's been so many changes in that canopy of kelp that that you know grows on the bottom of the water and, and shades the bottom. I know that sounds funny, but that is in fact what it does. It also keeps other things in there, gives them plenty to eat, and one thing and another. The Central Coast, of course, during the time, there was an incredible increase there in the kelp forest. But that's the only place where the sea otters survived after being se- severely exploited for their fur um, back in, in the two centuries ago now. But otherwise, north and south, there was much less kelp. Now, they're not going to go reintroduce sea otters, I don't think, but it does tell you that where the kelp farming is happening is going to be the central coast as opposed to the north or the south. Anna, welcome in from Oxford. What's going on today? I thought about you when I well, saw I thought about you when I saw the Edgeworthias. <laughs> oh, yes, my they're still alive. Beautiful plants. <laughs> um, but uh you were talking about um uh, recycling and uh, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we lived in Chicago, and this is about 45 years ago, okay? Um, we were walking in the park in Winnetka. You may or may not be familiar with it. Yep. And um, they, uh, the garbage, the recycling truck was there, and they dumped the glass bottles on the ground, and then they rolled the truck over it. And just crushed it. Mm-hmm. That was their way to recycle. And then, also, when we lived in North Carolina, we went to um, the beach um, in the northern part, and it, it, this is we were Emerald Isle. And oh, yeah. in the morning, uh, the garbage scow would go out, and it dumped the garbage, and then in the afternoon. When the tide changed, it would flow back. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think they solved those problems. Uh, until, well, until they figured out what was going on, there were a lot of people that thought that was this was such a clean system, and it wasn't because yeah. there was too yeah. much neglect on either end of it. Now, I will tell you that one of the coolest things I have ever seen. Speaking of Chicago, was countertops made out of all that recycled glass from the Chicago market. They were beautiful. They were set in rosin, and they were crushed. I don't think they gathered them up after the trucks, but but it was a crushed glass product, and it was just beautiful. It, it makes you feel like 
that's you know you, you'd like to see that you don't you, you don't want to see a pile someplace that you can't do anything about but to see that glass yeah. turned into countertops and tabletops and that sort of thing was lovely just beautiful stuff well it kind of shocked us I'm well, sure it did. On the other hand, glass is pretty good surface. If you can get it into what the soil that's there, it's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> so. Yeah, what well, they're doing on concrete. Yeah. But <laughs> How there odd. was one more thing. What a weird choice. Um, hmm. The uh, you know we've had flooding and San Francisco, not San Francisco, um, San Diego's been flooded yes. on three inches of water. Yes, uh, I know. Um, We're shocked we at get, that. Like, we're shocked at that. Yeah. I have a friend who's a garden writer there who just recently researched the drought, and she said, well, y'all think you're in a drought because you've only had X inches of rain, but we don't get but that amount, you know. I said, I know, that's <laughs> drought is a relative yeah. thing, you know. It's, for we sure. We got about 10 inches, didn't we? <laughs> I think so. But, um, in Chicago, um, because it was prone to flooding in, in the city itself, mm-hmm. and so they, they dug uh, what they call the, the deep hole. <laughs> and it collected the water, and then it would slowly let it release so it didn't flood. And the first time we had a big major rainfall and flooding, um, it flooded because somebody forgot to turn it on. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get to you have to get to point three. You know, you can't just stop at point two. You have to finish the list. You're absolutely so right, Anna. A, oh my goodness! What great rare. stories! I hope somebody can can give us. I hope somebody can give us stories of successful projects. <laughs> well, we live on a hill, so we're a little bit better off. <laughs> Thank you, Anna. Have a wonderful okay, day. Bye-bye. That's great. Oh my goodness! See, it's not just us. The EU and everybody else has problems with all our stuff. What do we do with all our stuff? I have been a person who has worried about this because I was always the one that had to sort the stuff out. And when you realize how much of it there is, which plastic can be recycled, which can't be recycled, who's going to take the glass, who's going to do this, all of these things, if we can put them to work in the garden, then they're to work. That's the repurposing part. That's why the gallon jugs become fertilizer containers. That's why, you know, that's why we end up turning milk jugs into cloches to put over our plants. There's just so many things that we can do with this material that, puts it back to use and i really do hope that that turns out to be in in the long run i hope that will be how the story goes we shall see well it's interesting enough um i don't you don't get to say words like this too often on the radio so the little boostard yes that's right i said boostard i didn't say something else the little boostard is a cute little bird it turns out it's a step bird, S-T-E-P-P-E, that, that lives on the steps, okay? The University of Barcelona is telling us this news in the attempts to get them boosted in their population. The reason this is interesting to me is not just the name of the bird, although the name of the bird is interesting. It, it is mostly because this is a group of scientists, farmers, and property managers, okay? So in other words, not just one side of this equation or one piece of this triangle saying, we need to do something about this, we need these birds. It's all, all of the pieces of the puzzle, the reduction of natural habitats, the increase in irrigation, and the urbanization of that area have all led to having less surface areas. And if they're a step bird, they have to have a flat surface to live on, to nest in, and, and to um, do their do their, do their foraging and their lifestyle in. So this protection work, 
is really working out better than they thought it would. And at the same time, they've got to keep that you can't you can't just fix it one time. If you're going to keep that area flat in places, you also got to find a way to meet the other human needs of the situation. The growing area, growing the area of the fallow areas, the unsown farmlands, really does help to stabilize the population because it keeps it flat. And that's what they where they live, and that's what they need. They're also really apparently big insect eaters, so the farmers want them. They're the scientists want them to be there because they're part of the ecology, and the managers of the property want them to be there because it indicates that the property is in good health and being better managed. So I like that. It's a good story. The little boostard, cute bird, real cute bird. I think I might take that up. I have several things, several new words I'm going to add to my vocabulary this week. Stay tuned. Ooh, did you know? Now, this I'm going to handle all of these sale things a little bit differently this year. I'm going to try to actually put a calendar on my web feeds, but so far Facebook has denied me the opportunity to do that. I want you all to be able to go to one place and see everything that I know about the plant sales that are coming up in the springtime because I'm already starting to get random emails. They don't tell me when. They ask me when. I'm not having the plant sale. Well, I mean, I'm having one later, but I'm not having, I'm not having the first things. I'm not the one at the experiment stations, this and that. So I'm getting the information. I'm going to try and put it into a format that we can all appreciate because guess what? There's a lot of plants that you want to find that you, you may or may not be able to find at whatever garden center is available to you, but you might find somebody has just rooted one. A lot of times you don't want to wait for that. You want the one that's already grown up and ready to put out into the garden. But sometimes we have to make those compromises. So it's something to keep an eye on. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to do a better job this year. Just like I found some Edgeworthias. I'm going to do a better job with garden, with plant sales um, by all y'all this, this year. It ended up being something where I had to repost all the time. And frankly, I'm not very good at that. So not everybody found out what they wanted to know. And I'm going to do my best to be better. Such as, I was really tickled. <laughs> Maybe tickled is not the right word. Um, everybody always wants to know what can animals see. And I am one of those people that has sort of been curious about it. They do seem to have different preferences, certainly, than people. But now we're getting a story from the Johns Hopkins University about some research that they have done that actually is going to help us understand why people see colors that dogs don't, or other mammals, actually. But dogs are, were the subject of this particular study. When we grow human retinas in a Petri dish, now, that's the first thing. We grow human retinas in a Petri dish. This is exciting that we can clone that, we can produce this. But what they've also been able to do, because anytime we grow something like that in a sheltered condition of a research lab, we want to look at it every step of the way so that we can learn something. And in this case, we have learned that an offshoot of vitamin A in that retina, in the Petri dish, generates the specialized cells that enable people to see millions of colors which dogs and, and cats and other mammals do not possess. How did they do that? Well, because we were able to see it grow. Their retinas are essentially like ours, 
but they do not have this particular offshoot of the vitamin A protein that gives us these specialized cells that enable all of this. It also is really interesting to talk about the the, the color sensing cells, the, the whole business of rods and cones. That, that's also part of this, so if it's of interest to you, by all means, um, take a look at the research from Johns Hopkins University. Only humans, by the way, with normal vision and really, really closely related primates with normal vision, as well as we can define that, have that particular red sensor. And the red sensor is the, the one that does the difference, really. The, the red, they used to think that it was just kind of random how they formed, but now we understand that it comes through the retinoic acid, through the vitamin A, and that's how we get there. So it's really, it's better because, again, once we understand more of the steps, we can intervene as human beings, as scientists, in the places where we need to, to make things get better perhaps to be able to address some issues, because retina, loss of retinas, of course, is a very, very serious thing to your eyesight. So the photoreceptor cells are not the only thing going on there, and it's not random. So those are two things that the scientists learned about our retinas, just from, really just from growing them, from developing that technology. I had a real good conversation at, at the show I went to this week um, with a, the, a folks, some folks that have a tissue culture lab in Florida. Tissue culture, of course, is the way that we grow plants from single cells of that plant. It was, was predominantly done early on in orchids because they're so hard to propagate. And if you could, if they're going to take a long time anyway. We do palms that way because they take so long to grow. And it's just really fun that, that people are doing this on a commercial level now, have been now for 20 or 30 years, so the, the technology has expanded to so many more things. Beautiful plants, all grown from just starting in a lab with a test tube and a couple of cells. Horticulture is wonderful. Join me for some more of it right after this. Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. We have one voice, the voice of agriculture. We have one job, growing the products you need every day. We have one mission, fighting for agriculture and rural Mississippi. We have you in mind, caring for your private property rights. We are the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation, 100 years and counting. Become a member today at msfb.org. Forgiveness is a gift Christ won for us on a cross thousands of miles away and 2,000 years ago. Dr. Dan Pavla talks about it this week on The Lutheran Hour. 
each Sunday morning at 7 on Supertalk 97.3. So how do you know if you have hail damage? Not all roof damage can be spotted from the ground. Gallo here from Experience Believe Me. You need a pro that you can trust to give you an honest assessment of your roof. There's no better team than Watkins Construction and Roofing. You can trust them to give you an honest evaluation. The Watkins team will answer your call 24-7 and give you a complimentary roof inspection and estimate. Plus count on them to get back with you as fast as the next business day. Financing is available. Count on the pros. Watkins 601-966-8233. Hi, this is Scott Trout of Cordell & Cordell. There are a lot of great dads out there. Sometimes those dads get divorced. For more than 30 years, we've represented men in divorce, confronting the pitfalls that could devastate your finances or harm your family relationships. While every situation is different, our goal is to get the best outcome for you and your kids. Visit CordellCordell.com to take the first step. Online at CordellCordell.com. Office in Richland, Mississippi. Free background information available upon request. Scott Trout, licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Georgia only. Supertalk Mississippi Outdoors with Ricky Matthews is brought to you by AgUp Equipment, your hometown John Deere dealer. Visit us at AgUp.com today and leave it up to us to make property maintenance easy. Thanks for calling Discover. This is Anjali. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just got an alert for a strange charge on my card. No problem. We make sure you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases on your Discover card. Let's see. Did you purchase something from a t-shirt cannon store yesterday? Absolutely not. No, I already have like three. Zero dollar fraud liability guarantee. It pays to Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. We've sent that Rip Van Winkle guy to the dentist. Hey, what? Hey, what? And what's worse than a trip to the dentist? Your wife's paint project that you've put off. Let Seabrook Paint in Jackson and Ridgeland find that Benjamin Moore paint and a contractor that will get you back doing the important things in life, like grilling and watching sports. Seabrook, Benjamin Moore paint, and a happy wife, happy life. Seabrook Paint in Jackson on Monument and in Ridgeland on West Jackson. First down. Don't see the rock, you better keep on rolling. Rapid Oil Change, offering big savings with hometown service since 1984. Let us earn your business. Routine maintenance completed on most makes and models in just a matter of minutes. We change oil, not schedules. No upfront appointments needed. Drive in and save big. Your hometown fast service leader. Rapid Oil Change, where you should be going. If you don't see the rock, you better keep on rolling. funny to you that I want to talk about drought-resistant trees today, given that we are certainly seeing dents in the drought from last fall, but this is the time to plant. There's probably not a better week this year to plant a tree or a shrub than this one, and that does include if you need to dig one up from someplace else and, and transplant it, that's fine, or if it's something that you've, you've already grown in a container or that you've purchased that's grown in a container, it's time for all of that. Pond cypress and bald cypress are two of my favorites. One of the reasons that they're so ironic is because they're not actually trees you would think of as being drought tolerant, but they are. 
their their roots are so deep and they're able to get water from such lower levels that you honestly have very, very drought-tolerant plants in both pond cypress and the, the particularly, my, my favorite, maybe the prettier one in my case, bald cypress, I think. It, but everybody has their favorite. Kathy's in Vaughn. She planted her garlic in October, and the shoots came up really fast, she said. She said that she had read that it was about 90 to 120 days to harvest, so she pulled them up, and they're not garlics. Now, first of all, either either they're not garlic in the first place, and Obviously, she planted garlic, so it should have been garlic. But they do this first. They do make a shaft first, and then that's when the garlic magic begins to happen where the clove is formed. 90 to 120 days, I'm not really sure where that number comes from because it's it's always more than three months. It's actually, if you were planting them from seed, it would be more like nine months, like having a baby, okay? But... We plant in October, and generally speaking, they're ready to harvest in late spring, April, May, somewhere in there. But the way you tell is because they begin to yellow. And even though, you know, because you fertilize garlic through the winter, just like you do onions and pansies and anything else that actively grows during the wintertime, you do fertilize it. But you don't over-fertilize it. You're just giving a little bit so it can continue to put on a nice thick stalk and more leaves. When it does that... You let it grow on and grow on through the springtime, and then eventually it will begin to turn yellow and even a little bit brown, and the ones at the bottom will be a little bit even more discolored. So that's when you want to pull it up. It it, it takes a, a good long time. It takes from October until about April, maybe even sometimes to May, just depending on how the weather treats you and treats them. They do go they do grow for a while and then they stop and then they grow for a while and they stop. But but if we tried to grow garlic across the summer the way my friend does in upstate New York, we would not get garlic. So <laughs> our conditions are just too hot. Not even, not just last summer. Any summer is actually too hot. Okay, okay. Oh, when somebody else says to you, why do you want a garden? Why don't you just go live in that apartment and let somebody else worry about that outdoor stuff? Well, I know you're not going to do that because you're here. But. There is a, there's always a conversation about this, isn't there? Particularly when somebody thinks that, you know, if they don't like to garden, they don't think you ought to garden either. Or when they want you to want to say, well, just come and live with me in the condo in Florida, you know. You may or may not, if you've got a balcony, you can certainly keep gardening, but you may not be gardening at the, at the level that you're doing. University of Copenhagen has given us another piece of advice, a bit of research that we can pass along to those doubters. Yes, indeed, physical exercise is really important. And it's also important because it helps us to remember what we just learned. For example, if if I'm planting garlic today and next year I realize that the garlic was too close together, I'm going to remember that because I learned it while I was doing physically something, physical exertion. This is a study that we're understanding. They have put all this together. Physically active and elevating your heart rate has the wonderful side effect. Oh, I love people in Copenhagen. Wonderful side effect that it will indeed give us the opportunity to improve our ability to learn because it opens up our brain and gives us places in there more ability to remember based on physical activity. If that is the case, I would have to say that 
not only athletes, but also surgeons and gardeners and gamers and even people who play musical instruments certainly have a benefit in particular. If we exercise a little bit, do a little, do some stretching, a little running, a little walking, whatever it is we're doing, then we go on in and work on those fine motor skills in the garden or in the musical instrument or wherever else, then we are going to remember it better. And they've got proof to show us that. As my dad would always say, son, perfect practice makes perfect. Oh. So when you practice, you got to really yep. you have to do get it, it the right, right way you or you're going to remember bad stuff. Well, that that's exactly right. You can't fix it after you're on the field. You have to it's a, it's you got to already easy. know yeah. what you're doing. Exactly. Otherwise, it applies. it's you know doing things the right way the first time and yes. then building that muscle memory that you know that repeat it just continues to repeat and you get better at it. Things process quicker and and I think that applies in just about many anything you're Absolutely. trying to learn make sure you learn it the right way Absolutely. and then it just falls in and when place you, and when you put yourself into patterns too because that works for you then it, you'll do it that way the next time and you can go on and worry about the next piece or think about the next piece you don't necessarily have to worry in my case it's it's using both sides of my arms when i rake um there, there are people who are perfectly capable of raking to the right all the time or to the left all the time i get tired if i do that always have and in running a tiller is the same way. I want to go one direction and then go the other direction because it's easier for me to operate. But if you don't know that about yourself, then you get worn out and you think, well, I can't do this. Well, sure you can. Just switch to the other hand for a little while. <laughs> we're not we're not going to be pitchers like Lance. We're going to be rakers. <laughs> so. Well, I, th- I would throw... I think it helped me as I was as a kid. I always tried to learn to do things left-handed. I would throw left-handed, catch left-handed, mm-hmm. hit left-handed. Now, hitting became much more just natural, and I felt like my left-handed swing was because you have a right hand you're mm-hmm. throwing with, mm-hmm. so your right hand's dominant, and you pull through the zone with your left. You know, if you're hitting yeah, left-handed with your dominant, yeah. so that mm-hmm. became really easy. Mm-hmm. Throwing was more complicated, but I got to where I was proficient enough if I needed to throw. Now with the football, I could actually throw a football much better, not as nearly as far. But if I had to do it on the run, I could throw left-handed and throw a, a spiral. Mm-hmm. But it was it was something mm-hmm. that took a lot of practice. Uh, trying to hit a golf ball left-handed, completely, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm terrible. That's I a can, different thing I entirely. can smoke it, but right. it, I have no idea where, where it's going to go. <laughs> no idea. Well, I mean, it is danger zone. I've told the story before that I'm one of those people that had to sit on my left hand to, to learn to write with my right. I, I still kick with my left foot. I still do all those things. And I remember that them wanting me not to, but I couldn't really stop. So I tried to practice both. I can kick with my right foot if I need to. (laughs) If somebody somebody insists, I can start that process. Passing the football, that's always my left arm. Well, like scissors, that's you one know. thing we were scissors. Remember, you yeah, and I we talked that. about that. You can't yeah, do scissors, it. I can't do that. Well, they don't even Only, make them. You got to go. Find you got to go upside down set. and sideways. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. I know we're going to hear from all the left-handed people now. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not against lefties. I no, love no, them. As a baseball I, guy, there, man, there, lefties are great. There's always that um, that one store in the mall, you know, that that has the left-handed stuff. The one website that the left-handers can order everything. Interestingly enough, oh, I know the mouse is here someplace. There, there it went. I refreshed the page, and, and the mouse went with it. Gotta fix that. Interestingly enough, I wonder if that's true. They say that deer can't see hunters orange. Do you think that colorblind people should take vitamin A? Actually, it turns out that colorblind people just do not have that function. 
I don't know if it would help them, but I'll bet it's a part of the research that they're going to be doing next. Hmm, interesting. Good morning, Ray. How you doing, Sandy? Hey, everybody. Pam from Sardis. We're going to get to y'all here just shortly. But right now, we got to step away. Now, don't go anywhere. Get some coffee. Maybe a little king cake. Come right back. And the cigarette you're smoking about to scare me half to death. Open up the window, let me catch my breath. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. She said, that ain't no way to have fun. Superior. It's more than a name. It's a promise that we make to our customers to provide you the highest quality U.S. farm-raised catfish at your favorite restaurant, your family reunion, or on your dinner table. Hey, this is Steve Azar, and I want to let you know that with Superior Catfish, you know the next bite is as good as the first, time after time, made possible by your friends and neighbors here in Mississippi. Remember, there's catfish, then there is Superior Catfish. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. We've sent that Rip Van Winkle guy to the dentist. Hey, what? Hey, what? And what's worse than a trip to the dentist? Your wife's paint project that you've put off. Let Seabrook Paint in Jackson and Ridgeland find that Benjamin Moore paint and a contractor that will get you back doing the important things in life, like grilling and watching sports. Seabrook, Benjamin Moore paint, and a happy wife, happy life. Seabrook Paint in Jackson on Monument and in Ridgeland on West Jackson. First down. My friend and I are taking a trip to Mexico this year, but neither of us speak Spanish. So we downloaded Babbel and started learning Spanish fast. Want to start getting conversational in another language in as little as three weeks? Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons were designed by language experts to be the most efficient and effective way to learn a new language. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson. Super Talk Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at Barone'sTreePros.com. I'm Caleb Sailors, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. A Webster County man will be spending additional time behind bars after pleading guilty to rape. 47-year-old Craig Beck was out on bond for the sexual assault charge when he allegedly confronted a Webster County deputy at a restaurant in the Starkville area. According to Sheriff David Gore, Beck's bond was revoked at the time and he was sent back to jail. With the state recording a series of budget surpluses in the past couple of years, new House Speaker Jason White is optimistic that lawmakers will seriously consider cutting taxes this legislative session. I feel like we have fully funded state government and our education system to the point of we're still taking in hundreds of millions of dollars. And folks are always going to be there asking for more and more and more. But we hadn't spent it and everything has rocked on just fine. We banked it. It's going to cause real conversations about the next step in tax reform. 
Many Republican lawmakers have advocated for income tax cuts, while their Democratic colleagues argue that reducing or eliminating the grocery tax would be more beneficial to residents. Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money, but they may do shoddy work, or in some cases, no work at all, costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go licensed. For more information, contact the Mississippi State Board of Contractors at msboc.us. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services there's still no statewide option for mobile sports betting in Mississippi, but legislation has been introduced that would allow wagering via digital platforms. Senator David Blunt shared the latest. That issue kind of is uh, where it's been. Uh, we had a joint task force, Chairman uh, Casey Urey of Harrison County, now he's the House Chair. We had uh, multiple meetings uh, last fall. There's a detailed report on the peer committee website um, mm -hmm. from that from those meetings that's open to the public. Anybody can read it. He says politically and policy-wise, the issue is more complicated than most people realize. We look to the industry to see if they're all on the no. same page. Uh, in this case, they are not. Uh, essentially, if, if you think you can uh, make more money off the app, then you're inclined to be for it. If you think you can make more money off of having bricks and mortar people coming to your bricks and mortar casinos and not as much money in the app than, than you're opposed to it and that's that's kind of where we've been Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. The last Saturday in January finds the Mississippi State Bulldogs at home against the Auburn Tigers. 2.30 tip in the Humphrey Coliseum, 2 o'clock in their time on the MSU Basketball Network. The Bulldogs are 2-4, are 13-6 and six overall, while Auburn suffered their first loss of the conference. They're now 5-1, 16-3 overall. Ole Miss is at Texas A&M, 7.30 to tip off there. 7 o'clock is their time on the Ole Miss Basketball Network. The Rebels are 3-3, and 16-3 overall, while Texas A&M is 3-3 and 12-7 overall. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles got a win on the road, 79-63 at Coastal Carolina. They are now 12-8 overall, 6-2 in the Sun Belt Conference, and that's in a tie for second place, and they'll be at Marshall today at 3 o'clock. Take on the Thunder and Herd. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. It's a big job keeping a whole planet fed. More American producers are turning to the fuel that gives them the power to do it. Propane. With lower costs, cleaner emissions, and greater reliability, propane can do more around your operation better than any other fuel. And with an abundant supply made right here in the U.S., you're helping America stay energy independent. We've got a world to feed, so let's get to work in a clean energy revolution. Energy for everyone. Propane. For more information, visit MSPropane.com. 
Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. We are almost down to who will be in the Super Bowl. Championship Sunday is tomorrow, and that will decide who makes it to the Super Bowl. AFC Championship game at 2 o'clock tomorrow finds the Kansas City Chiefs defending Super Bowl champions at Baltimore to play the Ravens, who will be hosting the AFC title game for the first time ever in franchise history. These two teams met way back in 2021, and the Ravens won that game 36-35. The NFC Championship game at 5.30 on tomorrow evening finds the Detroit Lions at San Francisco to play the 49ers. This is the 19th trip to the NFC title game for the 49ers, the most in NFL history. And the Lions will be trying to get their first road win over the 49ers since 1975. And if they can do that, they'll advance to their first ever Super Bowl, which is on February the 11th in Las Vegas. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. From the trees over your head to the lawn you hate to mow and everything green in between. Garden Mama's here to help you keep on growing. Still the empress of everything green. Here's your horticulture maven, Garden Mama Nellie Neal on Super Talk Mississippi. Thank you, David. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. This is the Garden Mama show for a less rainy than the last few days (laughs) Saturday morning thank you all for putting me in your pocket in your ear on your computer maybe even you know supertalk.tv hello (laughs) I can still wave a little bit this is the Garden Mama shirt it is in fact lovely my very favorite thing and Bob I'm already getting a couple of folks that want them sent to them so if you are in that group send me your address on our text line and we will get it to you we'll make more work for Lance sending me those addresses <laughs> it'll be fine thank you for hey, that I don't good mind. morning yeah, thank you beautiful shirts. people need to be wearing them and I have no problem that's gathering right. we don't, we don't in, gathering intel and we, sharing we appreciate it. that and i promise we won't sell your address to anybody because no, we, we, we won't even keep we won't even we won't even keep it after we have no we're gonna get it we're gonna get you a shirt and get rid of that send it to gary the female meadow brown butterfly did you ever even know there was such a thing well it's a lovely butterfly it's not one that we see particularly here but they're one of the ones that we are we see a similar effect they have a big eye on their wings it's one of those things that makes makes some butterflies some moths even easier to spot than others and they have smaller spots on their hind wings which when their wings are folded makes them look like just everything else you know every other creature they don't they don't necessarily look like themselves then what they found was if there are fewer of the hind wing spots then the there will be a problem down the way of the the butterfly may not be able to camouflage itself as well and what they have learned is that when the temperatures are higher for the chrysalis you know for the for the baby forming there the, the butterfly forming they actually turn out with smaller and fewer spots so they are not seeing this effect in males only in females 
Probably because, let's face it, if the males lose their spots, there's not going to be any of anybody because nobody will know who they are and they won't be able to get with another mate. So the females are the ones that are taking the heat for this, but the resulting offspring are changing. Nature changes all the time. And it, it, it's really very interesting, the, the whole no, notion of multiple genetic forms within one population of, of anything is something that scientists have studied as, as long as they've understood about that particular phenomenon. It's called genetic polymorphism. They have studied this, and this is really a big example. As, they, as things change, as the conditions for the chrysalis get warmer, the conditions change and the butterflies will change too something to consider. They will be a little bit less spotty. They may be a little bit less camouflaged. And at some point down the way, of course, the, the Cornish populations of this particular butterfly um, has a lot of, there's a lot of difficulty trying to collect them, apparently because their flight season is so short. But historical collections have other examples of them to compare to, and that's how they have figured is that it, the, the spotting is decreasing year on year. Interesting stuff. So there's good stuff. You know, there's things that are wonderful, things that late spring in the U.K. is kind of famous for a lot of butterflies, but they're also famous for ripening grapes and other things that are only possible because their climate has warmed a bit. So there's some good and there's some not so, man, we'll have to wonder about it a little bit. If you have decided that uh, <laughs> this is not really unusual, I'm not really very surprised about it. Um, interestingly enough, there's so much going on in our gardens at this point. But as as Pam says in Sardis, she's still got tulip bulbs in the refrigerator. <laughs> Can I still plant them? Absolutely. In my experience and in my, my point of view, too, Really, Valentine's Day is about the last day that we can plant those tulips that we forgot were in the cooler. And that's because we want them to be able to come on up and bloom before the weather warms, and it does take a few weeks for them to get out of the ground and up into flower. But the later it is, the more likely we are to have chilled them long enough for good, strong stems, and also the more likely we are to get in between really cold weather. If the tulips were planted, for example, in November, December, they could easily be blooming in February, and sometimes the conditions are good for them and sometimes they're not. So we push it a little bit later and get them to bloom in March. Sometimes the conditions are better, and that, that either becomes a case of, cutting them when they're in bud, because tulips will go ahead and open after you've cut them in bud. But on the other hand, if you leave them in the garden and you realize that it's windy and rainy, they're only going to last about a day because the whole thing's going to open up. The process will be accelerated, and they'll fill out completely and then drop their petals. So that's why we buy tulips in tight bud for cut flowers and why we also want to harvest them that way in our own gardens. If you have... Uh, Got a little few things out there that are kind of frozen. Yeah, we've all got a few of those. This is really where a pair of those, the gloves with nubby edges on them, helps you a whole lot. You don't want to go cutting things like, for example, the foliage at the bottom of a crinum lily. But it may be brown and goopy because it froze. Your elephant ears may be brown and goopy because they froze. And it really doesn't hurt to go ahead and get that away from them. It's not attractive. And if it lays there too long and the weather gets warm, it has a different bug profile that you're not really interested in, probably. So the chances are better to go ahead and get it and get it into your compost or wherever, whatever you're doing with it. I hope it's your compost pile. If, if you realize, though, 
that it's a little bit still stuck to the plant, that's where the nubby gloves can help. Then you can make a tiny cut if necessary, but usually a nubby glove is enough pressure, exerts enough pressure to be able to take those frozen stems off and get them out of the garden. I think it's important to do this. I don't like to leave that mess there too long, but in the same way that there's a lot to do, as Pam said, you know, I didn't get those bulbs planted. There's a lot to do. A lot of things don't happen when we want them to. But this is really a good time also to be checking on things like caladiums and dahlias if you have them in storage. This is the point in the year where the conditions are colder, of course, and the conditions are a little bit danker and damper. And if we're going to see development of fungus on either one of those kinds of bulbs, this will be the point where you'll find it. If you go in and start poking on the caladiums and you find a soft spot, get rid of that caladium. You're not going to save it. You're not going to fix it. And that's really important to know. This is also a great time if you look in the back of that uh, that cooler or maybe even in the, in the in the potting bench and you discover that you've got a bag of little bitty Dutch iris bulbs or grape hyacinth bulbs. This is a fine time to plant those. So you can certainly still buy them some places, but you you may more you're more likely to discover that they were in the bottom of a Christmas stocking and you forgot about them or something like that. I think it's really important to do that. Give yourself plenty of time when it comes to, for example, raising your tomatoes for the spring garden. If you want to start your seeds, better go ahead and get with that because you're going to want to get the plants into the garden in six to eight weeks from now. And it'll be time, believe it or not, the time's going to fly by and we'll we'll have the opportunity to be planting again. Yes. You're, oh, I'm sorry. You you looked like I had said something that I needed not to say. I'm oh no, sorry. you're you're always on top of everything. I'm just listening and, and uh, learning. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. Thank you. Now I got one for you. <laughs> this is going to be a controversial topic, y'all. Ornamental grass pruning and how do you do it? Okay. Pampas grass is the grass that's at the end of the driveway. It's really tall. It has great big plumes on it, and it will cut your arms apart. When you get up close to it, have on long sleeves, long gloves, long pants, and preferably something wrapped around your head, too, because sometimes those things will jump up off. When you go to cut them back, they'll do that. We don't cut the pampas grass as often as we cut all the others because, frankly, it's too much trouble. And they will go on and put on more blooms. But when you get to the point where you can no longer see the driveway because the pampas grass has grown over it, you really do have to get out there and do it. Some people can, if you live in an area where burning is acceptable, some people still burn ornamental grasses. I would prefer a chainsaw. And I say this to you in all honesty. No matter whether it's a little bunny, little penicetum grass, you know, that's growing next to the sidewalk by your front porch, or whether it's a pampas grass growing in this gigantic clump, whether it's fountain grass or maiden grass, muley grass, oh my goodness, all of them, they all need to be cut back in January. And the way that we do that is to make a nice slope. We don't. We want the water to shed off of the top of the thing. We don't want the water to fall into the middle of the grass and create, frankly, a dead zone in the center of it. So we cut them in a in a mushroom kind of shape, but how tall that is really does depend on the grass. I have two right now that need to be cut back that are so thick, if I go in there with a pair of hand shears, which I have used before, I'll be there not only all day, I won't be able to get it all cut down simply because it's too thick in there. That's where we get into 
either uh, an electric pruner, uh, a, a battery-operated one. Sometimes a string trimmer is even useful in this case. But you still have to come back and shape it up so that it is a mushroom shape that will drain water off the side of the clump. That's the easiest way to do it. How you get there isn't nearly as important as the result that you create at the end. And if you're if you are like me, uh, I love a head shear that's a hand operated type. I love to cut them down with that. But in the case of ones with very very thick centers, I still need a power tool to get the top out. Well, you were saying at the you know at your driveway and and the landscaping folks had cut back these uh, uh, maybe about a month ago mm-hmm. and they were nice and they had a little tunnel in them that the cats had built <laughs> so they're right up by the sidewalk as people walk yep. their dogs and yep. they had a little it was almost like an ewok village spot in there <laughs> where they would get in there they and watch that. these they animals that. oh they had the yes. biggest time so once they got cut back they sulked for days <laughs> So I would go. You back. took I, away I my out, fort. Yes, yeah, so I went out there and got like you know, uh, yeah, uh, pine straw and put it over it oh. and everything, and made them a little tunnel, and that kind of uh, appeased them for a minute, and then That's they kind funny. of lost interest because it wasn't the way they wanted. But I guess my question: How long is it going to take for it to grow back to that full bushy uh, four feet by, high? By feet late high? spring, they'll be okay. They'll be fully so the cats, fully recovered. Yeah. They won't be in bloom again, but they'll be fully recovered. It does, it takes about eight weeks. Okay, not too long. Once they start growing, yeah. Once okay. they start growing again, yeah. not too long. Now these were cut in that form in more of a mushroom mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than just. <laughs> Well, it, because it, it, people will do that, but, but what happens then is if we get this kind of torrential rain, mm-hmm. what happens later on in the year is that that particular grass will try to bloom and the whole thing will fall over. It just splits. And if you don't prune them at all, they'll just split. And, it, and, then, and that's really all. I mean, this, this year, with all of the crazy weather, the things that have looked the best this winter have absolutely been all of our ornamental grasses. And I don't want us to lose any of them. And frankly, the weather hasn't bothered them a bit. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> that's kind of fun. Um, okay, we've got a couple of more of y'all coming in on the T-shirts. Thanks, Aunt. Thank you very, very much. Broccoli and cauliflower. Mm, yep, we've got a little bit of a problem going on there. They were covered up. Everything else was doing okay. But they just weren't ready to harvest. What should I do now? Trim back or pull? The broccoli, you should certainly cut the center out that is browned because it has every bit of the capability to put up some side shoots with plenty of vegetable on it. And in the case of the cauliflowers, I would say cut the cauliflower and if there's nothing salvageable from it, the chances of it producing another cauliflower are slim but possible. The broccoli is intended and will make side shoots. The cauliflower, not so much. But you don't have to rip it out yet unless you just want to plant something else. Interestingly enough, let's see. Um, Corinne, how you doing today, dear? Well, I love that. The, the, the bare root goji berries she's planting, and she bare-rooted wajilas. Oh, that's fun. Pruned by, a, pruned by a few inches. Well, yes, it's a good idea because the first thing to know about bare root, and I'm sure Corinne knows this, but just in case anybody gets a bare root plant, the first thing to do is to take all the wrapping off of it, of course, and plunge the, the root part into a bucket of water for overnight at least because you want to hydrate those roots really well. And, yes, some of them will be dry, and some of them you, you need to cut off a little bit, even the roots. Not much, just trim them a little bit. 
Then we do a similar thing when we get it planted, trim the top just a little bit, not too much. You're not trying to do heavy pruning. You're just trying to make sure because most of the bare root things are waxed at least a little bit to help them reserve their moisture. So you want to make sure you're getting that part off so that they can, can get growing and do real well for you. Beautiful, though. I do like um, I do like the idea of bare root plants. We we find them less often than we used to because frankly, so many more people have been able to grow in containers. But as transportation has gotten more expensive, as soil amendments have gotten more expensive, I do see a few more things available bare root this year than perhaps in other years. So that's something else to think about. That's really great. We got a couple of shirts going out. And, uh, oh, that's lovely, beautiful day today. Thank you, Rich. Just lovely. You know, me and my bread birds. I'm crazy about that. And aubergine. Yes, and see that now? There's one of those things. The days kind of fall into each other. The Brits say aubergine because they're closer to France, I guess. We say eggplant. Unless we're in South Louisiana, where the French influence is great, and there we say aubergine because that is the word for purple in French. It's an eggplant. It's an aubergine. <laughs> no, okay. We'll call it an eggplant. I'm happy to say that we are having several other bits and pieces of things that we can do at this time. If you have not pruned your figs, this is the time to prune the figs. And yes, you can root those tip cuttings that you take off the figs, sometimes even stem cuttings. But this is a really good time to make sure that you're getting that. Mine is still growing on the ground. And I'm trying to, I'm going to cut and root a couple of pieces from it, I hope, because I like it. And I also hope that by cutting those pieces that are growing sideways, which are about all that's left after last year, I'm hopeful that I'm going to be able to get them to go ahead and maybe even grow upwards again. I don't know. I don't know, but we will see whether or not that works. If you have not cut muscadines and stone fruits like apples particularly, I'm thinking about, and your wisterias, here's what you need to remember for that. They've all got a side shoot that comes off of the main cane or the main branch. And that is where we end up with a sideways growth that gives us the flowering place and therefore the fruiting place. So when you go out on the stem, for example, the cane of the wisteria goes out, you know, six feet or something, you may want to shorten it, but you definitely want to go along in where the T's are, the little stems shooting up off of that. That's the ones you want to cut down to about two inches long. The same thing works on muscadines and the same thing works on apples. Almost exactly. It's not quite the same, but it's almost exactly the same. Okay. So we're planting tulips, we're pruning other fruit. Let's talk about that and this and all the other stuff, because guess what? This is the Garden Mama Show. we got a little bit more to do today. Stick with us. the people mississippians we are the land growing food fiber and timber we are there when you need us from the roof over your head to the food on your table 
We are small town, but big moments. Your next door neighbors. We are the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years and counting. Become a member today at msfb.org. Customers, a whole home energy upgrade. The Propane Energy Pod Builder Incentive Program. What's the Propane Energy Pod? It's a total home energy upgrade that combines high efficiency propane gas appliances to meet a home's major energy needs and delivers superior comfort and efficiency compared with all electric homes. Not only is it good for homeowners, it's good for builders too. All propane homes on average are valued up to 5% higher than all electric homes. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. Family Termite is a proud VIP sponsor of the Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Mississippi's handyman Buddy Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro. Call 769-208-8283. That's 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283. At Progressive, we love sports and saving you money, so we bundled them together. Two seconds left on the clock, third field goal range, and it looks like he's going to go with a five iron. No, wait. The quarterback is skating back on the ice. He's talking with his caddy. They're pulling the goalie. He skates off the fairway as the kicker lies off his putt. It's a breakaway. They bundled their home and auto insurance with Progressive. Touchdown savings, Bernie Goal. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Not available in all states or situations. Kelly Blue Book is the one-stop shop for pricing, fixing, selling, and instant cash offering. Instant cash offer is exactly what it sounds like. An official offer to buy or trade your car. Just enter your VIN or license plate. Answer a few questions about your car's history and what kind of condition it's in. In minutes, you'll receive an offer to sell or trade your car that you can be sure is fair. Then choose a dealer to purchase your car and schedule a time to meet. For all of the it's, kbb.com. Hi, I'm Josh Quick, the owner of Mid-South Crawl Space Solutions, formerly known as Clean Space of Central Mississippi. Our name may have changed, but our expertise remains. An unhealthy crawl space can invite mold, bugs, and buckling floors. This affects not only your crawl space, but compromises the health of your entire home. Our Clean Space system will transform your crawl space into a dry, healthy, clean environment that will save you energy and money. No more moisture, no more mold, no more smells. Still doing free estimates at mscrawlspace.com. Hey, I'm here with Alex Murray of Auto Innovation. At Auto Innovation, we want to change your car buying experience. When you're in the market for a quality pre-owned vehicle, please come see us. We want to make friends, not just customers. All eligible vehicles are inspected by a Master Tech mechanic and come with a limited powertrain warranty on us. We are located on Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Come by and see us or check out our inventory online at autoinnovation.net. Let us change your car buying experience. Auto Innovation, Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Hello, my name is John Merrill, the owner of Amada Senior Care. We're your local trust advisor for senior home care. We provide experienced caregivers for your loved ones so they can remain in their home. Just like you would care for your loved ones, our employees provide assistance with their personal care needs. As your trusted senior advisor, I can help your family navigate the long-term care insurance process. Just call me, John Merrill with Amada Senior Care, for your free in-home consultation, 601 601- 864-3752. There is a season, turn, 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 and a time to every purpose under heaven. 
Come on now, tune in to supertalk.tv. You're going to see some fun stuff this morning. <laughs> Y'all are great. It's <laughs> interesting, fun things. The Garden Mama Show, of course, goes on Saturdays, and I'm so happy to tell you that y'all are kind enough to be here with me. Always during the week, you can get in touch with me, mamaonair at yahoo.com. That's not a problem. Now, what in the world? This is... This is this is just one of those things that I have waited and waited and waited for the research to come along with. I have been um, <laughs> I've been watching um, the tomatoes getting started down at Kentwood. I've been watching some flowers being started up at Carthage and some other places like that. Y'all are all underway. Everybody's getting going. How do you know when to plant? Well, you count backwards. You count backwards the six weeks from the time you want to plant, and then that's when you start your seeds for almost all of the annuals, whether it's a vegetable or a flower. Okay, so that's the rule of thumb. It may take a little bit longer for them to grow. It may take a little bit longer for them to for the weather to get appropriate for transplanting. But the good news is that you will get there, and if you're ready. You can always grow the plants on just a little bit longer, but you can't hurry them up if you didn't start the seeds soon enough. I have uh, University of Illinois at, at Urbana-Champaign. Y'all have heard me rave about them before. I have a, a niece that went to school there, and among other things, um, they are famous for their work in biology of various and sundry sorts. Nobody else has studied this that I know of. They are studying... How come the plants talk to each other? That's not what they would say. That's not how they call it, but that's what I'm telling you. You have heard everybody here, not just me, but foresters and extension types and people that have had the experience and tree cutters, too, have all talked about the fact that our pine trees are under assault from boring insects. And the way that we know that is that after, for example, after a storm, the trees are lifted up out of the ground and set back down. They release auxins that is a signal that they are in stress. That signal in turn is attractive to the boring insects who know where to go because they can hear all of that. I'm not making this up. It's not a joke. This is actually how it works and now we have an even better set of proofs for it. In this case it is the talking tomatoes. Now, she, she said with absolutely no humor whatsoever, plants produce Volatile organic compounds, okay? One of the most famous, probably, when you walk outside and the yard has just been cut, the lawn's just been cut, smells like cut grass. Smells great to us. That's actually the grass telling the other grass, hey, we just got hit. <laughs> we, we have been run over by a machine. What? Okay, all right, now we got to grow some more. That it, it, I'm not saying that it's not important to cut the lawn. It is. But that smell is re reflective of the VOCs, the volatile organic compounds, that the lawn puts out. Now, studies have always looked at how the, the, the mycorrhizal fungi, or in this case the arbuscular, they're, they're called the AMFs, the, uh, those, those particular fungi, have something to do with the plant's ability to then recover. Well, what about that? What about when they're bitten? What about there's a bite in the caterpillars, for example? And how is the variety of the plant, in this case, the tomato plant, how does this influence the volatile organic compounds? 
When we want the tomatoes to talk to each other. We want them to be able to say, this, this pest is bothering me. Perhaps you can arm yourself against it. Or perhaps you can at least be aware of it. Plants can't get up and walk off. Okay, so they have to be aware of these things. And this particular measurement is one that has not been done before. They, did, they, they separately decreased the volatile emissions in all four varieties of tomato plants. They took two hybrid tomatoes and two heirlooms. Because we understand, of course, the hybrids have been bred for uniformity of size and shape and the ability to be shipped from place to place. The organics, the, the, I'm sorry, the heirlooms, are for the most part, have, have evolved to be the top part of their heirloom world because they tasted so good. Okay? Has, not necessarily the easiest to grow, not necessarily the best to ship, but they have a real high quality of taste, and that's how they've begotten, become popular. We think about Cherokee purple. That's one of the ones used in this particular study. Um, and interestingly enough, what they found in this study was that the, the fungi and the caterpillars separately and together decreased the volatile emissions. And furthermore, the hybrid tomatoes emitted lower quantities of the volatiles than the heirlooms did. So in other words, the heirlooms were able to shout louder than the hybrids. And one of the pieces, you know, just like we bred roses for a long time to get us better flowers, stronger stems, longer lasting in the vase, and then we went back and realized that we had lost the fragrance, so they began breeding that back in. This is the same kind of thing. We've got to get the volatile organic compounds up so that the tomatoes, in turn, can talk to each other and can be more informed about the pests that are trying to get to them. The AMF, the, the, the fungi, may confer additional benefits, including enhanced growth. And in fact, the plants that, that had gotten bitten up by caterpillars were also better off. Now, I love the way they did this particular study, and I won't belabor it any further, except to tell you that if you don't think it's possible, just go read about it. They took all, they grew the plants, they took all the air out of the environment in the lab, so that then all that was left were these compounds to be measured. And that's how they measured them. They didn't measure them out in a field somewhere with a bucket over the plant. They actually grew them in a lab where they could do these things and measure them very concertedly. And that is great news for those of us who have said heirlooms grow better the second year. We've, I mean, it's not just me. That's the, that's the understanding. They do, in fact, grow better the second year because you have selected from the ones that did well in the first place presumably the ones that had volatile organic compounds, presumably the ones that were best equipped to deal with the pests. That's big. It's very exciting. And I'm, I look forward to more about that. Because once Urbana Champagne starts, everybody else goes on. Because and, and, you have to replicate the research, first of all. But you also have the opportunity to appreciate it and have some better, some different things about it. Some, some more fun stuff. I have... Uh, how short do you cut liriope? That's a good question, um, Marcy from Columbia. There, when you're cutting back the liriope in the same way that you're cutting back anything else at this point, you've got to look at the shape of that little mound. This is a clumping grass. And if we cut it back maybe by a third, but, but you may not have to cut that much. It really depends on how much of it has been damaged by the weather or by string trimmers getting too close. You know how the, the leaves will get kind of sheery on the ends. They're kind of ragged. And you're cleaning that up at this point as well as stimulating new growth from the bottom. But when you cut the liriope or any clumping ground cover that, that like that that's so close to the ground, be sure you look and make sure you can't see the new growth coming up at the center. 
if you can see it, it's okay to still prune. Just make sure you prune around it. Don't cut the thing off flush at the ground level or even a couple of inches above. Be more selective in your pruning if you can see new growth coming up at the bottom. It's a good question, one that I didn't think to cover, and I thank you for that. Appreciate that very, very much. Oh, another piece of the puzzle. Um, somebody, <laughs> I, every area is different, but we are seeing so many downed branches not just from the weather, but from age and all that. We see that in the winter anyway, and now the rain has helped to knock a lot of them down. For the most part, they are covered up in lichen. So before anybody sends another picture and asks me, I'm going to tell you that, yes, lichen is the gray stuff that looks like lace growing on a branch, but it doesn't have to necessarily look that way. It could be green. It could be almost black in some cases. And it's still, it's not crepe myrtle bark scale. It's, it's still a lichen if it's on a tree that's otherwise growing well. The trees may not be growing as fast as you wanted them to, and sometimes the lichen can be an indicator that things are not working as well as they should because the lichen take advantage of a a semi-dormant branch to grow. But at the same time, they don't grow on things that are, they don't kill the branch, and they actually don't take up living much. Um, Some of them do not much, though, on things that are already dead. If you find a plant a tree, a shrub, for example, and it is dead, you go out, scratch it, it's, there's nothing green, there's no nothing to, to resolve and nothing to recover, then what you're looking at is that situation. You're looking at something that has, in fact, lost its way. And then that's when you have to decide what to do with it. Now, we can talk about culture, we can talk about woodpecker trees, we can talk about all of those things, but the, the idea of how many different things you can do with a dead tree is a big topic of conversation, not just for us, but certainly for us in the South. In our cities, my own city of Jackson, the trees are really too old for the landscape in many cases. And so we do have dropping and we do have trees that that just heave up and fall over because there's too many of them. We understand if we plant trees, we want them to grow. But over time, if they're not managed, we end up with a lot more to manage than we thought we would have. The complexity of forests, much less urban forests, really can't be explained by the simplest of mathematical rules. Um, the University of Bristol is letting us know that the way trees grow together in a, in a copse, you know, a group of trees, is different than the way they grow as individuals. You would think that was a given, but it's not. It's one of those things that you have to actually get in there. And if seen in, for example, in isolation, each of the trees, each of the part of the tree could be seen as its own little self, except the smaller version. However, the large branches sometimes look like whole trees themselves, but Ultimately, they all resemble one another when the tree grows up. If it grows up in a copse, up in a space where it is crowded, it does not look the same. And their complexity, therefore, between the relationship between the size of the canopy and the size of the trunk or the spread of the roots and the amount of flowers or leaves that you get really are, are, are different in a crowded situation. The Journal of Ecology is where you'll find some of this if you would like to look up more about it. This particular fractality, I love fractal, I love fractal descriptions and stuff. The fractal, fractality can be found in a lot of natural systems, of course, but it gives us a way of categorizing and also understanding a little bit better how these things grow and how they grow together. 
So if you look at a picture of something and you can't quite determine how big that thing is, you're actually having the fractal experience. A friend of mine the other day posted a picture of a Romanesco cauliflower, and and it was so, I mean, the thing may not have been any bigger than a softball, but because of all of the ridges and depths and the fractality of it, I love that word, it ends up being much, it looks like you can't tell. It could be the size of the moon, you know, <laughs> who knows? So it's just one of those things. It's an attractive quality. It helps us figure out how big something is based on the things next to it. And that's part of it. But the simplest of the mathematical rules don't work because when things are crowded together, when more when there's more trees in a space than there necessarily needs to be, we end up with a different a different proposition, a different setting. I also thought it was interesting that their next piece of of work that they plan to do on this is the key question is whether or not there are generalizable patterns. <laughs> That's another great word. And this particular issue uh, of fracta- fractality is what they hope they can measure with that. Pretty fun stuff. If we can't understand the forest from its trees, and we can't understand the trees from their forest because of the way they're planted and the way they've grown together, we've got to look at both small area plantings and big area plantings to really understand the trees. My best example, and when I was reading this, the thing that I thought of is the difference between an oak tree in central Texas and an oak tree in west Texas. In, in, in central, say, or let's even east Texas, let's go all the way over by Austin. The tree may be, for example, a shorter tree by nature. Um, mesquite oaks are not as big as other trees necessarily, but they're still big and sprawling and have a, a good shape and a big form. When that same tree is grown in the alkaline soils where there's no rainfall to speak of in the western part of the state, it still grows, but it's about a third the size. And there are some who will tell you that the wood is better for smoking barbecue from one kind of mesquite tree or from another. But I I can't make that decision. All I can tell you is they grow differently. And if we can understand more about the way they grow differently by understanding some of this fractality, I think we'll be better off. We'll we'll know more than we did when we got started. This is a great, y'all always are so fun. There's so many conversations to be had with you all. Um, the, the new leaves, of course, there, there's, there, there's, this is a conversation that I wanted to have, and, and Marcy has put it in from before. She, she did this a few weeks ago, and I don't know if I got to talk about it. My hydrangeas now look like this, except they're completely brown. we got growth at the bottom, growth at the top of the sticks. What are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. Well, we're going to see what's alive and leave it there and hope that the rest of it leaves out. But after it blooms, we may be changing everything in terms of those big old French hydrangeas. I don't know. Think about it. What are you going to do with yours? Come back, and we'll talk some more here on The Garden Mama Show. Hi. 
I'm Sammy the Shovel, reminding you how important it is to call 811 at least three working days before you dig anywhere in or around any homeowner's yard. It doesn't matter if you're putting in a new mailbox, installing a fence, French drain, sprinkler system, even a flower bed. You need to call 811 at least three working days before you dig, or you could end up responsible for a water line leak, utility line with gas or propane, or even worse. Safety is in your hands. Call 811 every dig, every time. You dig? Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money, but they may do shoddy work, or in some cases, no work at all, costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go licensed. For more information, contact the Mississippi State Board of Contractors at msboc.us. ESISupply.net. It's not if you're going to have a spill at your business or workplace, it's when. ESISupply.net. Exorbent pads by the bundle or roll. ESISupply.net. Socknet Boom Products, Oil Gator, Oil Dry Spill Kits, and much more. ESISupply.net. Take it from Scary Gary. If it can spill, it's gonna. ESI Supply, 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910 or online at ESISupply.net. My friend and I are taking a trip to Mexico this year, but neither of us speak Spanish. So we downloaded Babbel and started learning Spanish fast. Want to start getting conversational in another language in as little as three weeks? Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons were designed by language experts to be the most efficient and effective way to learn a new language. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Pickup truck, sports car, motorcycle, minivan, townhouse, two-story, farmhouse, fixer-upper. What you drive and where you live is different for everyone, so it's important to have insurance that fits your needs and is just right for you. At Shelter Insurance, we understand that, which is why our agents help you design a comprehensive auto, home, and life insurance plan. Insurance that fits just right. Jamie Creel, Shelter Insurance. Come see why we're more than just an agent. Proudly serving the Jackson metro area in the great state of Mississippi. Give us a call at 601-992-6000. At Key Constructors, our mission is to build a legacy that will stand the test of time through hard work, dedication, and pursuing excellence. Key Constructors is a heavy civil construction company, a leader in the bridge construction world. Our goal is to provide a positive work environment for you to grow personally and in your career. We are proud of who we are and what we do, making it happen one bridge at a time. Come join our team of Black Label Bridge Builders. Check out Key Constructors on Facebook and other social media platforms and keyconstructors.com. Now, during Staples Print Pig Sale, get $20 off your print purchase of $100 or more, $50 off your print purchase of $200 or more, and $100 off your print purchase of $300 or more. So the more you print at Staples, the more you save. To demonstrate, print, print, print at Staples, you save, save, save. But if you print, 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 print at Staples, you save, 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 save. See how that works. Staples Print Big Sale. Print more, save more, up to $100. Ends 210. Visit staples.com slash print for details. When we come back from a trip, but our luggage does not, that's usually not a good thing. But what about the invisible baggage we carry? Our old sins and regrets. Hear how God's forgiveness in Christ is a gift from far away that puts those regrets away as far as the East is from the West. Our guest speaker is Dr. Dan Pavela, this week on The Lutheran Hour. 
each Sunday morning at 7 on Super Talk 97.3. play out. I can't remember who sent me the email and said, you never play enough Leon Russell. I said, well, only have a minute. <laughs> so we'll go out to 45 seconds today. <laughs> it's great, though. And Leon Russell certainly is one of the great artists of our time. No, no question about that. Uh, top hat and all. So fun stuff. Today is seed swap day. What seeds are you swapping? I hope that you've got some extras. There, of course, will be many, many plant and seed swaps going on around our state in the next few weeks coming up towards springtime. And that's really fun. That's a good time to have the opportunity to not only get to know your friends and what they're growing, but maybe grow something you didn't even know you needed a seed for, you know, didn't know you could start something different. So that's a great thing to do today. Today is also chocolate cake day. I was talking about that earlier, and now I really want some chocolate cake. So that's going to, I'll have to start baking again. Good grief, you'd think I would get over that. No, I like to bake. It's fun. I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy it nevertheless. Talk about, talking about our dead tree world. Whether it's culture, whether it is a, a woodpecker tree, whether it is just a piece of habitat that you want to let stay, you don't need to be as quick to get, a, get that tree out of your yard as you might have been if you've got enough space for it to be there. Now, the Oregon State, you know, they're big on their trees, of course. We understand the, the snag concept, that is, standing dead trees or a, a branch that's one on one tree that is actually a snag. It's hanging from the other tr- branches because it's not alive. And those are fun. That's, that all works really well. But snag creation is part of conservation. And snag holding on to those things can also be very important, too. So don't be so quick to get out there and clean every bit of it up. If you have enough space for a little bit of a wildlife world, this is one way to get it. We can talk about it at another point, but the long-term analysis of this these techniques is turning out to be very positive for the wildlife in your environment, whether it's a small one or a large one. I think that's kind of fun. She's she's not there. She's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm not paying enough attention. I'm not being quick enough. I did not know this about humpback whales, y'all. I did not know that they that there's that there might be noise complaints in the humpback world community. The National Marine uh, Sanctuary in the Hawaiian Islands, of course, is a place where you can certainly understand the soundscape. Of, for instance, off Maui. In the wintertime there, the humpback whales are loud and wonderful. But how come and what and why and where do they sing? Interestingly enough, they documented humpback whales moving closer to the shore around sunset. And it's not necessarily just to serenade the people on shore. 
it's actually because that's the time that other creatures are making a lot of noise in the water, so they isolate themselves a little bit more, I presume, so they can hear each other sing. So I think that's kind of wonderful. Um, it is the first time that they've used, and anybody knows about, that they've used these kind of selective sensors to to really get the acoustics right, to understand where the sounds are coming from, and to localize the individual um, singers, the, the the individual whales as they are singing. So I think that's really kind of wonderful. I, I hope that I hope you have a chance if you if you've never been or if you're not going to go, you can hear recordings, and some of it is very beautiful, beautiful music. It is haunting, and I, I don't know what they're singing to each other. I don't know what they're telling each other, but I do enjoy the sound of it. It is our collective kuleana, according to the researchers there, that is responsibility to be the koala. Kohalas, that's the humpback whales, stewards. Because if they don't, if we're not paying attention, they're not going to be well taken care of. So interestingly enough, whether it's national, excuse me, natural sources or whether it is something else, it does make a difference. Let's talk camellias with Betty in Columbia. Hey, Betty. Hey, Garden Mama. I just wanted to say that the camellia show is going to be this coming weekend, February the 3rd at the Lyman Community Center. It's on the left on Highway 49, like you're going to Westport. It sure is. It sure is. Lovely place. I mean, it's a big place, I should say. It's a lovely place. Y'all, this is everybody in the, which which Camellia Society is it? I do not know. I just okay. know I try to go. Okay. I can find out for sure, you know, when it is. Yeah, so. well, and sometimes we, you know, it is bad because sometimes you look and there's, suddenly there's the pictures and you didn't get to go. I've done that before. <laughs> so thanks yes, for the okay. heads up. That's delightful. Tell, every, tell everybody in Columbia I said, hey, okay. Thank you, ma'am. This weekend, Lyman, this coming weekend, not today, but the coming weekend, Lyman Community Center on Highway 49 on the way to Gulfport. It'll be on your left. And if you've not been there, just look up Lyman Center, put it into your your navigators or your whatever you got or the person riding in the front seat and then tell them where you need to go. I'm trying to be that I'm trying to be that navigator now. I really am. Trying trying very hard to be that navigator. I don't know if I'm any good at it, but I'm getting better. There's now also a brand new uh database of weeds. Can you imagine? Now, weed is of course a judgmental term. And we are not talking about cannabis varieties. We're talking about the weeds, the plants that people don't want growing. Any plant can be a weed if it's not growing where the farmer wants it. If you have a beautiful stand, for example, of alfalfa, you don't actually want onions coming up in the middle of it, and vice versa. You don't want something to take over with the area that you're trying to grow something in. So it's interestingly enough that we're trying to figure out not just what happened, but what is going to happen. So the, in this new database, we're hoping, the scientists are hoping, I should say, trying to understand how the traditional ag systems were managed, whether they worked, because we all understand that in some cases our efforts to control one thing actually in, end up, ends up proliferating something else. So we, can, we need to get all these things together to understand about growing our food. Now, I'm, I'm one who believes in exclusion to the max when it comes to vegetables. So if we can exclude more and keep, things, keep the bugs and the problems out in the first place, we will have a better situation. But in this case, it's also important for people to understand 
these things in the cereal world, arable cereal world, those plants, they identify more than 900 species of plants that they consider to be weeds. There are people who would say, maybe that's why you shouldn't be growing that there. Well, not necessarily. It is sometimes, though, that when we grow one thing, we create an environment that allows us to proliferate another area. And that's really, that, that's, that's what's so interesting to me, I think, is that we, are, we're, we don't, the world of unintended consequences in the garden world is something we've got to pay a lot of attention to. We always we want the garden to be clean, but we want the pollinators to have a place to live too. We want uh, when I say clean, I mean to be only the plants you intend to grow. Sometimes you got to let some things grow that you really didn't expect to. Okay, okay. Now, a couple of more things that that are happening in this particular week. Um, that you may or may not be looking forward to, put in your mind, horticultural ultra-refined oil. That's the stuff to spray the camellias that have already bloomed or that are still in very, very tight bud, the very latest ones of the season. But it's also really powerful for other shrubs that you need to control last year's pests. Put that at the top of your mind. Keep things going this week and take advantage of less rain. Come back next week and we'll do this again. It's the Garden Mama Show, and I thank you very much for all your attention today. Thanks, Lance. See you guys next week. The Garden Mama Show is a production of Super Talk Mississippi Media. Download past episodes at supertalk.fm and contact Garden Mama anytime at mamaonair at yahoo.com. Thanks for choosing the Garden Mama Show. Advocacy, a century of wins, protecting private property rights, advancing technology, sustaining our land, conserving our natural resources, all to pass on to the next generation. We are the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation, 100 years and counting. Become a member today at msfb.org. Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. Thanks for calling Discover. This is Anjali. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just got an alert for a strange charge on my card. No problem. We make sure you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases on your Discover card. Let's see. Did you purchase something from a t-shirt cannon store yesterday? Absolutely not. No, I already have like three. Zero dollar fraud liability guarantee. It pays to Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. 
quality vehicles, affordable prices. Pinnacle. This just in from Pinnacle Motors. Now for a limited time, all in-stock edge sheds are 20% off. That's right, 20% off. Now for a limited time, all in-stock edge sheds are 20% off. Need that new shed building or carport? Now for a limited time, all in-stock edge sheds are 20% off. Now back to our regular programming. Pinnacle Motors, Highway 471 at Baker Lane and Vine has that car, truck, or SUV and trailer for all your needs. Online at PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. That's PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. 